Well, welcome everyone to, I think this is the 57th, I lose track, I always forget to check my numbers. We'll just say it's the 57th, 57th episode of the DKI podcast, Digital Era Entertainment's weekly anime podcast. I'm your host, Joel, this week because Mario and Emmy are out with Redacted, but it's, well, Mario's isn't Redacted, he's doing stuff with GalaxyCon, Emmy's continuing on with Redacted, and seems that she will be continuously preoccupied with Redacted for... Uh, the next couple months, but we still talk with her every so often in our chat. She is doing well. The redacted things are very, very positive things, so no need to worry there, and we look forward to her return whenever that might be. But for now, I have two wonderful, well, not two guests. I have one of my usual co-hosts from Frangiville, uh, as the suburb of Frangiland, downtown from Frangiburg in the greater utopia of Frangiopolis. Frangi. I'm going to open a burger place with that name soon. Which one? Frangi Land. Frangi, Frangi Land? Frangi okay. Land. Yeah, because there's a Sushi Land chain. It's a Kaiten Sushi in uh, Washington State where I used to live for a while, and I Ooh. liked it. So we'll, we'll do Frangi Land, and it can have burgers and um, maybe Kaiten Sushi, because why not both? Yeah, or just Sushi Burgers. Have you ever had Sushi Burritos? Oh, no. So sushi Burritos are really good. Basically, it's... What you'd expect. Oh, it's a giant are. piece of sushi. It's sushi yes. rice and, you know, the sauces that you would normally put on top and all the fish. And it's in a, um, a rice uh, burrito wrap. So it's not like a flour tortilla or anything, but it's really, really good. Wait, but where's the nori? Uh, it better be in there. I'm, I'm <laughs> anyway. think. The, the ones that I've usually had, I don't think actually have nori. Come to think of it, but I wonder if you could get it like, you know, in there or because you probably couldn't get it all wrapped in nori. Or could you? Well, that's basically what hand rolls are anyways. Yeah. Now we just need. Okay. Someday we've had a food podcast, but we haven't had a sushi specific podcast before. So maybe we put that on the list for something to do in the future. Works for me. Yeah, definitely. And... uh, our guest this week, returning from last week, Tamsin. Hello. Hey, folks. Happy to be here. Happy to have you again. So, for starters this week, I did not actually watch a terrible lot of anime because I've been working on the script adaptation for Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which we'll be doing next Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, but that's kept me preoccupied for most of the week. So, I've seen about half of my usuals, which means I've seen about five episodes this week, but that was all basically on Sunday. Um, Nothing super groundbreaking to report on any of the shows that I've been regularly watching, but, you know, My Hero is still strong. Killing Slimes for 300 years is still really good. Shadow's House, actually Shadow's House. Um, Shadow's House might be my front runner for, like, new anime of the season because can't count Moriarty, can't count My Hero, but for new shows this season, uh, I think it's Shadow's House for me. Odd Taxi is probably a close second. But uh, what about you, Franji? You been watching anything this week? <laughs> this week. No. This week I made time for Moriarty the Patriot because, as we all know, I'm obsessed. But I did not watch any of my weekly animes this week because on... Saturday or Sunday, I found out that Netflix was going to get rid of all of the BBC Sherlock 
um, they, today. They are. They are. No. Today's the last day it's up forever. They're nerfing it. Nobody, uh, so, nobody told me this. Oh, <laughs> shoot. Honestly, yes. I actually didn't know that they had Sherlock to begin with. They did. Uh, and so Crap. this past I week in all like my free lost time. Out. <laughs> I'm no, so this is a this is terrible. It's a tragedy, isn't it? Because it's so good, and it was. They're such long episodes because they're all about yeah, an hour and a half exactly. Like Ninety minutes. Yeah, each. an oh, hour and a half, shoot. and um, it is, was really are hard. They be I had available to skip on a few. some other platform. I don't know. I haven't looked that far ahead. I was just like, if I scramble, maybe I can watch them all. Um, because I hadn't seen the newest season, the most uh, recent. Yeah, three I still episodes. haven't either. Well, uh, maybe I know what you're doing tonight. <laughs> I don't know what time it comes off, like, though. <laughs> I still need to do a I couple things you. for the radio drama, God. but I'm going to try and do that. God. Crap. I'll figure if it out. If it makes you feel better, the most recent season kind of went off the rails in a few ways and really wasn't that good. The first two seasons are the best, in my opinion. Yeah. But, um, just, Andrew Scott is my favorite incarnation of Moriarty, period. He is so good. He's just this perfect combination of you can tell he's smart and just utterly terrifying and <laughs> put together but unhinged just enough to make it so you can feel how much of a threat he is yeah mm -hmm. unhinged is a really good word yeah i was about to ask you tamsin if you've seen the bbc sherlock so i take it you have uh, i have i honestly don't remember what when i stopped watching so I, all I remember is I enjoyed it until I stopped watching it. So maybe yeah. that means I only watched the first two seasons. Eh. But. It is kind of cool to think that, you know, that series really is what was uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's breakout role, that yeah. he's mm -hmm. a very good actor and had been in many, many other things prior to that production. But I think it's very safe to say that that's what put him on the A-list. That's what got him the role of Doctor Strange, or probably at least got him the audition for it. And uh, I've seen a lot of great things with him, and just he's become one of my favorite actors. I just think he's really good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the dynamic between him and Martin Freeman. And, yeah. You know, the, also the fact that they then get to also be in the same movie in The Hobbit. Is <laughs> yes, that, that's a really fun thing. And I've seen fan arts of it being, you know, Sherlock talking to Watson as he's hoarding treasure or something or vice versa of you know smaug uh solving crimes and berating little bilbo baggins i like this new adaptation of sherlock smaug yeah. or sherlock i'm sure that we can get an Blend all the british media oh that's what moriarty the patriot's doing <laughs> um, all the yep. british media james bond <laughs> uh but yes so I guess we'll all hopefully be able to catch up on things over the weekend. Um, I'm curious. I want to get Mario and Emmy on to, you know, hear about what they've been watching. Well, we get a wait, bit we, of that in our group chat. But to be honest, Tamsin. I don't think. Oh, wait. Tamsin was watching anything this week. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, I'm. Yeah, I'm scatterbrained. Tamsin, what have you been watching? It's all right. I well, I have not been watching Sherlock as as we've determined. Um, surprisingly, I, or I guess I should say, yeah, ironically, I have been watching more anime this past week than I have been in recent years, probably. Good, you're making up for Franji and I. Yes, uh, and so we started watching Odd Taxi, uh, which we're only on episode two, but we are already enjoying it, 
and I like the blend of very cute looking animals, but also something doesn't quite feel right in what's yeah, happening. And you don't quite know who to trust, and everyone seems to have a strange, shady backstory mm -hmm. that yeah. they're not quite letting on. Uh, yeah, I think it's honestly one of the best just proper noir tales that we've had in anime in the past couple of years. Yeah, so enjoying that one. Then I also finished watching the skating anime this week. <gasps> oh, Yuri on Ice. The Infinity. What? Oh, sorry. And I'm I have the wrong skating anime. Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> and I have started watching the skating anime. Wait, what? I think so which... she's intentionally confusing us here. Yeah, I'm confused. And so the one, so the one that I finished is about the cute and lovable Japanese skater who and his stoic, silver-haired foreigner boyfriend. Okay, skate the infinity. Wow. No, no, <laughs> no, that also describes it. Yuri on Ice, I didn't I realize Yuri that. Parallel as well. Oh gosh. <laughs> the, the Japanese skater is from southern Japan, and there's a dog and a big well, now winding. You, now you're just listing off all the similarities, but <laughs> at the same time, you know, maybe it was kind of made as a tribute. Huh. Huh. I considered that. Neither did okay, I. Here's here here's how to place it. The one I just finished. Exactly one character has anime hair, and the one that I'm watching right now, all the characters have quote-unquote anime hair. So you just finished Yuri on Ice, and now you're watching Skate the Infinity. Yes. Okay. Huh. Huh, okay, so what did you think of Yuri on Ice? So I, this is actually my second time trying to get into it, and this time I did actually manage to finish it. The first time was around the time that the show first came out and I got about five episodes in and then it wasn't bad, but it just didn't really capture my attention. That, mm. That's where I was with it. I never finished it. Didn't seem bad. It just, you know, mm -hmm. not my cup of tea. Yeah. And this, this time around, I figured, you know, I've, I've started watching it. I should probably see how it ends because I think there, there was a tidbit, there was like a movie that's supposed to come out adolescence on ice or something like that mm -hmm. and there there was a, a small teaser that got posted and so kind of the hype for Yuri on ice has been renewed a little bit and i decided you know i should probably finish finally finish watching it and see how it turns out in the end and it was pretty good i wouldn't say that it was my favorite series by far, but I definitely enjoyed watching it. And now I get to watch the skating animes, anime back to back. So there's also that. <laughs> and cool. find all the similarities. Yes, and exactly. Just keep a running list of those. <laughs> Anything else this week or just the uh, Pretty Boy Sport animes? Uh, yeah, just tons of sports anime, tons of skating. And, you know, get to do a lot of sightseeing of, of Southern Japan through, through anime, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. Yay. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything that's currently airing this season that might appeal to you, given that. But I guess I don't watch a ton of sports anime, so maybe I'm the wrong person to look for recommendations for you. Oh, Tamsin, though, Joel is really good at recommending anime. Like, it's un 
uncanny. And I have this thing now where, like, I don't know. Joel, I don't even know if I told you this, but I will start to get mad if he recommends one and I like it a lot because half the time he'll explain <laughs> it to me and I'm like, that doesn't sound like something I would like. Or like, you're wrong. I Like, I get all soon right. I wouldn't like that. And then I go and I watch it and I'm like, oh, crud, he was right. This is the best thing. <laughs> like, have you ever yeah. gotten back around to Great Pretender? No, I haven't. I knew you were going to ask that. I knew that was the next thing you were going to hey, ask. Hey, I've no, gone a couple weeks at least without asking you, so I kind of have to check in. That's true. To be fair, I'm always stubborn like this. Uh, it took me, I watched the first seven episodes of Code Geass. Here's our, our mention of it, right? Our weekly mention. Sure. I watched the first seven episodes of it and like hated it and got so mad at it. And I put it down for like a year. It didn't go back to it. And now it's like my favorite thing ever. So sometimes it just takes me a while. Hmm. Well, I guess anyway. on that note, Tamsin, have you seen Great Pretender? I saw it on the Netflix uh, list of recommended just this afternoon. Hey. Actually. <laughs> so, Joel, do you, do you also run the Netflix algorithm that mm-hmm. recommends anime to people? Not consciously, no. But mm. uh, that was just one of their bigger productions last year. It is a Netflix original, so uh, it makes sense that they'd be pushing it pretty highly anyway. Um, the way that I could describe it in a nutshell is Ocean's Eleven, the anime. Ooh. That sounds great. Yeah, that it's a I, lot I of... Love, I love a good it, heist. Yeah, it's heist, oh, yes. con men, and just... Uh, every arc is about four to five episodes, except for season two, which is all a singular arc of nine episodes. Um, but that was, personally, I think I would say a... I think that was my favorite anime of 2020. Yeah, that it wound up getting second place on uh, our podcast list. Uh, our first place was uh, "Keep Your Hands Off Azekin," and that one was also really good. But for my personal tastes, "Great Pretender" was my number one. Well, that is definitely going on my list. There, there's just some, there's just something about a heist where you have a lovable found family, and there's kind of a some Robin Hood esque. Oh, yes, yeah. If you like that type of vibe, you will absolutely enjoy this. That um, Usually for me, it's I like smart characters doing smart things, and that's, you know, how heists have to work. So that's usually what the hook is for me. But uh, you will absolutely get your Robin Hood feels and your uh, found family tropes in that series. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if that's what you want, you will definitely enjoy it. All right. Very good. Thank you for the rec. <laughs> awesome. And speaking of recommendations, you were the one that recommended our main topic today, and that is characters that impacted you. Um, it's a bit broad, but I do like it because, it, you know, you're not going to be necessarily impacted by every single character that you encounter. And this is one that I sort of had to rack my own brain a bit because I suppose I'm, I don't think I've ever been fundamentally impacted by a singular piece of media in that, you know, I've never had a personal epiphany watching something. Um, I suppose certain characters have influenced my taste of, oh, I like this character, and sometimes over time I realize I like certain types of characters, one of those archetypes being smart characters doing smart things. But um, for impact, I suppose that's a bit of a broad term, so... uh, open season on this it can be you know a small impact on maybe it impacted your sense of style or maybe it gave you some larger personal epiphany 
Tamsin, since you were the one to first bring this up and it, you seem particularly excited about it, I'm going to let you have first stab at this. Thank you. I will try not to gush too much about my favorite characters in this. Do in it, this do it. Segment. I can't wait do for it. this. <laughs> so this is so I definitely agree that the idea of impact is super broad and kind of the they intend us to keep it very general uh, because I think a lot most likely a lot of characters will influence in just very small ways, like you mentioned. It, maybe it's our style or our mannerisms or you know from one of the previous episodes of the podcast one of the discussion was about vehicles and what we name cars or decals that we put on them for me I, and, and so i also have long lists of, of characters uh are really important to me i guess probably if i had to pick the the, the team that sits at the top it really is a team so this is this is going to be a throwback to the early 2000s, which doesn't feel like it should be a throwback, but at this point actually is a throwback. It is kind of unsettling how we now have to refer to that as, you know, yeah. throwback. 20 years wrong. ago. Uh, okay. But so this is a throwback to Beyblade, actually. Oh, boy. Yeah. The spinning tops anime. I never yeah. actually watched it. So I saw the commercials. I remember Letter Rip. I remember seeing the toys. Uh, I was too preoccupied with Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! at that particular point in time to get invested in Beyblades, but I am very interested to hear this because it's something that made it stateside. They broadcast this on Toonami, so, it, you know, anything that makes broadcast television in the 2000s is inherently something that touched a lot of people. Yeah, and and I think you're you're absolutely spot on with the fact that you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon and Digimon were kind of being aired, were being aired at the same time. And so I think because there was just so much of really cool anime that I feel like Beyblade maybe didn't get as big of a fan base as it could have. I guess that's also at least where I was at the time. It was uh, not super big. I, I, I'm pretty sure I was the only person who like watched Beyblade and was into Beyblade. Um, I think the problem was that it's the product that you could actually buy were not as engaging as mm -hmm. the other ones that Yu-Gi-Oh! is a card game that you know you can build different decks and you can play and have strategy Pokemon had the video games its own card game and other stuff like that whereas the physical stuff for Beyblade while it's really cool to have your top spin you don't have the type of agency as a player in that game that you do in other games mm -hmm. so that probably caused an amount and then also the fact that uh, it's going to be more expensive to purchase these, you know, big tops and all the attachments than a single booster pack of cards or something. Mm -hmm. So to yeah. a higher barrier to entry there. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, they, they did have, a, this is getting a little off topic, but they did have a, a Beyblade card game. But of course, you know, the card cards were not actually a thing in the show. So that was... Uh, you know, the lack of the direct connection there was, uh, you know, didn't didn't help that. Yeah. Um, I guess I do but remember. Which characters had it for you in Beyblade? Because it, I'm completely unfamiliar with the cast or the plot or anything there. Yeah. So the team that. Uh, so I I thought that sort of the whole large cast. So I guess let me give the 
30 second summary of Beyblade. So it's spinning tops. It's a sports anime. So kids compete against each other with spinning tops. The thing that makes it interesting that also didn't translate so, so well to the real world is that some of the spinning tops have powerful spirits called bit beasts in them. And that's, you know, they, they're these kind of elemental creatures that make the battles much more intense and exciting. So mm. very, very cool for the show. Not so good for the toy market uh, and for making the, the real world, world version of the game more exciting. But the so because it's a sports anime, there's you know different tournament arcs and the main characters, the Blade Breakers, get to travel a lot and compete against a lot of other teams. And the team that has been my favorite from the start is the team from Russia, um, who in the first season of the show where they show they, they originally show up are called the Demolition Boys. And in season three are the Blitzkrieg Boys. And uh, at the time, this is this is where we get to unlock, uh, you know, my character backstory. So I had. I uh, I was born in Russia and eventually moved to the States. And on the time that I you know, started consuming a lot of U.S. media and the anime that was being shown on TV was part of that. And Beyblade was on the new series that I started watching. And what really stood out to me about the characters and Dark Secret that's part of my backstory is that I watched the Beyblade seasons out of because I watched them on TV. Watched Sorry, I think you're breaking up a bit. I'm not sure if it's just on my end. No, I, I hear her breaking up a teeny bit too. Oh, um, okay. Last thing I heard was you watched the seasons out of order. Okay, that okay, that is the last thing that I said. Uh, okay, good. okay. All right, let me let me go. I'll go a little slow, right? Because I can feel myself getting. I a just little... looked up the. Uh, I did a Google image search for um, Demolition Boys Beyblade, and I see the team, and oh yeah, that's some early two thousands anime hairstyles right there. Yes, uh, the, the pointy red the hair one, yeah, of their the, captain. Uh, the, yeah. yeah, the two-point red-haired one definitely caught my eye. Uh, yeah, and uh, the the animation in the first season is is very different from the second and third season. Uh, I think because I guess I don't know if they changed the the companies that were making the the show. They just got different animators, but it's radically different anime style. I actually don't know if at the time I would have gotten into the show if I'd seen season one first, but I ended up seeing season two. Blitzkrieg Boys were not in that season, season three. And what really stood out to me was that, first of all, seeing Russian characters in non-Russian media was kind of unusual to me. I mean, I'd seen lots of Russian characters in movies, but what also stood out was that they were not the bad guys, if you can believe it, uh, in the anime. And for someone who's gotten used to the very stereotypical portrayal of, this is Boris Ivanov, and I will now inflict pain on everybody, kind of portrayal of Russians. Uh, it was refreshing to see them as the good guys. and. Uh, there's there's two tournament arcs in the last season of Beyblade, or the last season of the original Beyblade, season ten, different cast of characters. What 
uh, in the first tournament arc, the everyone is kind of suspicious of them because in season one they. Oh, sorry. On, in season one, they what? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm. Should I? Yeah, I got another note that I'm breaking up again. Should I try to adjust the voice settings? Uh, it uh, might just be Discord. Um, it's probably just your internet wifi. too. If you have interference, or if someone else is using the Wi-Fi right now, that could be throwing it mm. off. I tried to connect through Ethernet, hoping that would help, but. Oh, weird. Oh. Oh jeez! If you're Strange. are you sure the Ethernet is plugged in? Uh, yes. Because I know. All right, because my yeah, Ethernet uh, port's I, a bit shoddy, so sometimes I think it's in when it's not. Yeah, it's at least at the very least it's telling me that it's plugged in. My computer may very well be lying to me. So, come on, well, Tamsin's computer, get with the program here. Come on, come <laughs> sometimes on. you're really clear, and other times it, we just lose like a few words at the end of a sentence or something. But uh, but no, we heard most of that of just it being refreshing to not have the Russian characters be the bad guy and like I can definitely see how that would be really really nice um what sort of role did they play so were they the rival team were they just one of several other ally teams and the antagonists were some you know nefarious third party that's trying to upend the tournament itself yeah so I'm really glad that you asked this question because so in season so the when I saw season three, I just knew them as kind of the part of the good guys of of the show. They weren't the main good guys, but they were definitely part of the good guys ensemble. In season one, they are actually the bad guys. So no! there, <laughs> there is, there's a, a corporation called BioVolt. Spoiler warning, 20-year-old anime, but spoiler warning. There's a corporation called BioVolt that is essentially... They have headquarters in, and they are essentially training child soldiers to take over the world with spinning tops. As yeah, you that do. Makes sense. Yeah, as that you makes do. Sense. You're uh, shown in, uh, you know, competition game anime and manga. Like Yu Gi Oh! had taking over the world with card games. So taking over the world with spinning tops, perfectly logical. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it makes total sense. So the so and so the demolition boys are part of this team that is trying to take over the world and you know they get defeated by the good guys and you know the world is happy and then we don't hear anything from the Demo- demolition boys and then in season 3 they come back and naturally everyone's a little suspicious of what they might be up to but then it turns out that in the first tournament arc the bad guys are actually the new European team that has joined and who are sort of uh, just trying to win through cheating and various unsportsmanship-like ways. Mm. And then in the second tournament arc, the person who ran the uh, BioVolt training facilities comes back with now a new team of Beybladers to try to take over the world. Through slightly more bureau, <laughs> now through slightly more bureaucratic means question mark, but um, and the scene that still kind of really stands out to me from from the third season, you know, kind of at the start of the second, is the Russian team obviously recognizes the uh, guy, Boris Malkov, as he's called. Wait, 
You Sorry, broke breaking up. Again. up. Ah. The Russian team actually ah. recognizes the, the what the, now? The last thing I heard was Russian team recognizes. They, uh, I, I apologize to everybody listening in about the, the audio quality. Um, the Russian team recognizes the uh, man, you know, the, the guy who's come back as the person who used to run Biovolt. And they sort of, now that they've broken free, they... Uh, see it as their duty, essentially, to try to stop him and make sure that he doesn't ruin Beyblade. You know, yeah, the, it's the personal for Beyblade. them. Yeah, now it's personal for them. And there, there's a kind of a really heartfelt scene where, and, you know, obviously, like, everyone from the original cast who was in, there in season one recognizes Boris, the bad guy. Um, okay, so we're not dealing with Team Rocket levels of, um, you know, costumes and uh, just trickery of okay we as the audience can clearly see that this is the enemy uh the characters are also very aware and like oh i recognize that dude yes yeah the characters are yeah exactly there's no kind of like masquerading or hiding i mean certain characters it seems to be that most of the world doesn't really recognize that it's the same guy but our main characters definitely recognize that this is the the main villain that happens in sports people don't really know like the trainers or the coaches that much they know the players Right. And anyway, so like what what about the team really Yeah, and there there's there's a scene where the main characters of the show, um, Takao and and his team, you know, they recognize Boris and they say, Okay, we have to go stop him, but the Russian team kind of prevents them from doing so and they say, you no, know, this is our fight. Like we you know, this is somebody who's tormented us for so long, we have to face him now and we have to be the ones to take care of him. And that sort of kind of bravery and you know courage to face your tormentors just really stood out to me um, mm. and you know made you know I've never had to uh you know face my former evil coach and stop them from taking over the world I've I've yet to be in a similar sort of situation but you know just the general kind of idea of doing things that you know might seem scary and facing your fears that just has stayed with me for hmm. so that's uh yeah that i would say that that's the characters that i found uh most impactful uh, that's I, representation and, in animation matters so much and not too, stereotypical yes. representation all the time with evil boris it's good to have like heroes that are you know similar to other people in the world <laughs> so yeah Yes, it's so true. It's so true. I was I was thinking exactly the same thing. Uh, yeah. Ironically, there is still an evil Boris, but you know, there's <laughs> other there's other Russian characters to balance him out. So it's uh, it's good. It's all good. That's cool. So, what about you, Franji? Uh, uh, um, Suzaku. Kururugi from Code Geass. I don't know how into it I want to get. Um, well, I guess I don't really know how Suzaku impacted you. I know you're a huge Suzaku fan. I know the character means a lot to you. But I suppose I don't necessarily know why or how his character impacted you uh, beyond just uh, appealing to you. Oh, boy. Um, there's so many layers to it. Let me see if I can unpack this a bit. Uh well, oh, okay. Well, my wife and I met doing um, an online Code Geass role play. I um, have heard this story. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, they already had a Suzaku, and I was like, let me join as Lloyd because Lloyd's hilarious. 
Um, well, I just want to do something light because I don't even know if I like Code Geass that much yet because at that point I think I had only seen the first seven episodes um, and was done with it. Uh, but then there's Suzaku left and um, my wife was playing Lelouch and was like, you need to be our Suzaku. And I was like, I've hardly seen the show yet. I don't even know if I like Suzaku right now. And she's like, no, you need to be Suzaku. So I jumped in and I had to like... Had was that, that her first asking you on a date? Uh, <laughs> no, because it really wasn't friendly. Um, <laughs> we really weren't that, we were friends and acquaintances at that point, but we weren't really friendly in the roles of Suzaku and Lelouch, um, because I, I hated Lelouch. Uh, and so we were very angry at each other all the time. Um, and there came a point where, like, the lines blurred a little bit too much because when you're when you're acting or you're role playing a character that deeply, you you get way into their head. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to pull on your own experiences or your own moral opinions to to inform the character. And um, I found that I resonated so much with Suzaku's views of right and wrong. Um, and she was totally on Lelouch's side. And if you think about how much they fight and get angry at each other in the series, it it was the same thing. And it actually sparked a lot of arguments in real life where I'll be like, I'd have to take her aside afterwards and be like, well, you don't, what if this actually happened in real life? You wouldn't actually support that type of thinking, would you? And she'd be like, yeah, and we'd we'd fight. Um, So so that was kind of dark. Um, And then, you know, when the end of the show came, it was really emotional because I'm like, wow, (laughs) zero requiem, bam. Um, uh, But but through that, like all those fights and arguments, I actually ended up working through a lot of stuff with her and we became a lot closer by the end of it. Um, And then had a whole like vaguely Code Geass themed wedding. So, I mean, obviously Suzaku is super important to me, but he really made me... Um, through role-playing his character really made me examine myself and the sides of myself that are hypocritical and that I don't necessarily like. Um, And it really made me face some some hard questions. Uh, We... We're similar in some really dark ways that I don't like to talk about too much. Um, but because he is there and I get to look at him as sort of a a separate entity to myself objectively, you know, when I can separate myself from having to like play as him or cosplay as him or whatever, um, I'm able to to have that objectivity and say, okay, so... You know, he might have done things this way, but you're a separate human being and you can look at the things he did wrong and be like, okay, let's maybe not do that. Um, So he's been helpful for me figuring out my own crap. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love Kogias and I love him. And like on my good days, I just look at him and go, you're hot. Look at how you pilot a nightmare frame. Good on you. And on my worst days, I'm like, oh, my God, I I am you and I don't want to be. (laughs) So he's just like a piece of me now that's very, very important because it taught me things, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, it's really interesting because you mentioned you know, that you and your wife got into some really intense discussions, and uh, now I kind of want, like, an anime of this type of story where two people meet, whether it be through, like, an acting troupe or role play or something like that, and, like, that that's how the relationship is built, because it seems pretty logical that, okay, in working out 
your differences and being able to talk to each other through role play and uh, the, you know, after sessions that it, I would have to assume, became a pretty important basis for your relationship outside of role play that uh, the fact that you were able to talk to each other and communicate and work through those things would, I would guess, you know, equip you to work through other things as well. And that's really cool. Yeah, we learned all of each other's trigger points really early on, really quickly. Um, because, you know, even though you're you're acting or you're using characters as kind of a shield between you and the real world, there's still definitely things that will affect you sometimes. Um, so we figured that out and we're able to work through it early on. And we're still able to have, we just, we talk things out really well and really quickly now. Um, so That's we don't awesome. get in a lot of fights. So, yeah. Uh, 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 the lesson here is go be a weeb and role play your favorite characters. <laughs> Yeah. No, hey, seriously, roleplay, whether it's, you know, character-based or if it's a tabletop RPG, the amount of actual communication skills that you develop simply doing those games are really, really significant. Um, there's, I've seen memes of people taking what they've learned in Dungeons & Dragons and basically making a professional resume out of it. And it's tee-hee funny, okay, you're taking game things and then using flowery marketing speak to make it sound professional. But in actuality, there's a level of merit there. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I guess cool. for me, um, I do not have anything nearly as profound as the two of you. Um, it's sort of weird. Like I mentioned earlier, I sort of racking my brain cannot point to any specific example where... I feel that I resonated with a character on a particularly intimate level that I've had a lot of characters over the years that I've either really admired, some that I've uh, said, you're really cool, I want to be like you, but I guess I don't necessarily think I have seen myself in another character <clears throat> beyond a, a pretty shallow level. Um, I don't know necessarily why. That's probably just, you know, one of the quirks of how my brain works. But, um, some of the things that I have gotten from particular characters is, uh, back in high school, I was in theater and watching anime. I saw a lot of different performances and heard a lot of different voices. And one of the things that I've always had a bit of a knack for, and Frangie knows because we've been doing the radio dramas, is that um, I at least like to think I'm pretty good at impressions and accents and just yes. voice alteration mm. and delivery. Mm -hmm. um, oh my god, you're, um, you're, oh my god, your Murder on the Orient Express one killed me. That was so good. That was a really fun one. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> um, and... I took, I, I can't even necessarily point to particular examples, but I definitely know that I took certain aspects of different characters that I saw and incorporated them into certain performances, particularly when it comes to like pacing or intonation and delivery of certain lines. So not necessarily the particular accents of those, but just when I saw, you know, a really good monologue or something that I would think of that and think of certain bits of pacing and how to emphasize different words. Um, I'm not sure if it's something that 
has been terribly obvious because I don't always uh, have full awareness of it, but I have a certain amount of a stutter. I always have. It's something that it, I've been, you know, on and off working on. Uh, I was fortunate to have some speech therapy pretty early on in elementary school, so it's not something that, at least to my knowledge, is, you know, particularly prominent. But that is part of why I speak, you know, a little bit slow. I choose my words really deliberately. And I'm certainly aware that every now and then I stutter a little bit. But um, I guess for whatever reason, when I have a script to go off of and when I have a particular mindset for a character, I find that I actually stutter a lot less. That When I know the words that I need to say, I can say them very, very clearly. My stutter very much comes from when my brain is still processing something or I'm trying to figure out the right words or I'm thinking about something else. And I guess maybe to a certain degree that just seeing these bits and pieces of characters and incorporating them into performances then also helped me out of performances figure out different words and phrases of just, I can't tell you how many different vocabulary words I learned from, you know, Pokemon or just different things. So I guess maybe it's not a character that impacted me, but sort of language comprehension, maybe? That's cool. Yeah, I like that. That's really cool. And I never would have guessed that you had a stutter at all, um, <laughs> which is just like mind blowing to me, too. Um, that, that's really cool, though. God, anime characters are. <laughs> why is cool, anime so everybody? important? It's cool and it's important and it affects us in the deepest ways. We, we sound like weebs on the surface, but this is like, this is real shit, guys. Well, we're weebs beneath the surface, but this is still real shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess maybe one more specific character thing, I guess, is sort of the acceptance and admiration of nerdy characters can be really cool. That. The oddball characters, the ones that, you know, have the glasses or have the quirkier attitudes can still be really, really important, have a lot of personality. Um, characters like Lloyd are just super fun. Um, I certainly, well, I guess, I didn't fully, you know, adopt his over-the-topness, but I always really liked how he was just roll with it a little bit goofy and just he's very smart very capable but he doesn't let things get to him too often and uh i've always liked that and uh, you know not in a major way sort of adopted uh, his personality but uh you know i really like characters that are able to go with the flow and uh, i suppose at times i mentally try to emulate that when uh, you know things get rough and that I need to figure out, okay, I need to just let this go. This is not actually that important. Let's move on and just be upbeat about it. Uh, certainly helps when that is sort of the stock personality for a lot of shonen protagonists. Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the lighthearted, upbeat, but secretly very capable character is a very good trope. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow, this episode got real. Yeah. Like I said, this is where we're unlocking <laughs> mm -hmm. character backstories for, for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, trying well. to think. I had, like, one other, and now it's escaping me. Tamsin, did you have another? As I try to scramble myself. Yeah, I had 
this is like a very small passing thing, but um, when I watched Full Metal Alchemist, not Brotherhood, but the original Bones series, uh, the first one they came out and read the manga, I thought that Winry Rockbell was super cool. And for about a hot minute, I considered becoming a bioengineer so I could make prosthetics. Oh, that's, that's cool. cool. For people. That did not end up working out, but that 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 there there's an alternate timeline somewhere where Tamsin did in fact now building really cool robots and uh, cybernetic limbs for for people. So nice. Well, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, you know, you read comments online pretty frequently of people who say, you know. This show inspired me to check out this sport, and now I play it all the time, and it's a big part of my life. Or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, like you said, something with your career of seeing a character who has a particular profession and then pursuing that or having a increased interest in that field of study, especially when it's something more niche, is uh, definitely a way that I know a lot of different series have impacted a lot of different people. Yeah, I've heard a lot of stories. So I watch a lot of. Uh... Uh, football slash soccer and a lot of uh, European football players you know have said that Captain Tsubasa has been a huge inspiration for them and mm. kind of inspired them to go on and play uh, you know play the sport. Um, and I know that in Japan the enrollment in high school and college volleyball has absolutely skyrocketed in the past five years with uh, Haikyuu being Haikyuu. a very big factor in that. Uh, it used to be much more niche than it is now that it's still, you know, obviously not a big-time revenue sport, but that uh, you pretty much can reliably find a volleyball team at most Japanese high schools in more metropolitan areas because enough people have been impacted by Haikyuu to have an interest in volleyball. Wow. That's very cool. One of the things that I would love to write someday is, or, you know, do some research and just look at number of sports teams in a particular sport after a, cer a certain sports anime came out. Yeah, and, you just, know, just to what try to percentage of schools have a operational sports team year over year for five years prior to airing and then during airing, after airing, stuff like that. Exactly. You know, tennis. Like go clubs. I know swimming. so many people tried to learn go. Skating. Yes. <laughs> There's, um, that's funny because like, I don't I have a car. Go, but there was no place that I could actually get a good, you know, guide to play or someone else to play with. So uh, that dream was oh, very short-lived. <laughs> um, so I don't have a car and haven't for a while. Uh, they're a big ball and chain. I don't like them. But where I live now, I do kind of need a mode of transportation. And since there's usually pretty good weather here um, and not a lot of ice, I I have been saving up for a Vespa solely because hey. I love Haruko from Fooly Cooly. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. We'll Vespas if I, are really uh, but... uh, gas efficient. That I knew somebody who used to have one and was like, I don't want to have a car because I get 40 miles to the gallon on this thing. Yep. Well, yep, indeed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if weather is not a, a barrier, 
then. No, I mean, there'd be a couple months in the winter where it would probably be crappy or raining a lot, and I wouldn't want to be out there without cover. But uh, otherwise, as long as I bundle up against the cold, it's really not that bad. So that's my goal anyway. But in those months, you probably wouldn't want to leave the house anyway. So, right. Yeah, yeah. very fair. But like, I could get one right now, a scooter, if I wanted. If it weren't a Vespa, because those are like a few grand more. But mm, no, because yeah. of Fully Cooly, I'm like, it's got to be a Vespa. And I'm still struggling over the color. I'm like, well, how do it go as yellow? So I probably have to get a bright yellow one. But I'm like, but do I really want bright yellow? Do I? Or does the Haruko cosplayer in me just want bright yellow? <laughs> we'll have to see. Hmm. And then, of course, you'll have to get a, a, a backpack that's shaped like a guitar. I've already looked up on eBay. <laughs> I'm, sure I'm like, no, I want a exist. real left-handed bass guitar with the yeah. Don't don't even talk to me. I'm not, don't don't remind me of that. <laughs> I might do it. <laughs> I knew. It. I learned the bass guitar in high school because of Fooly Cooly for a year, and then I dropped it. But, Ooh, <laughs> but anyway, there we go. There's another one. Musical mm -hmm. instruments are another one. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a character, but I know I've tried well i've always been really adventurous with food but i've actively sought out to try a lot of different foods because i've seen them in anime mm -hmm. like just, jelly donuts know. yes absolutely <laughs> love jelly donuts those are my favorite uh, localization you know. that just I, I don't even know a localization that'll live in infamy in i've i've had this mini rant before ranji so sorry to repeat it but Basically, that's one of the more sort of forgivable ones because rice balls are not a thing in American culture. But at the mm -hmm. same time, if you're going to change it to jelly donuts, at least put in the minimal effort to change the visual. Because even as a kid, I could clearly see this is not a jelly donut. But I still didn't actually know what it was until some years down the line. Neo Ivan's talking about Krispy Kreme now in the notes. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Yep. Stop it. Fun fact, if you uh, bring your vaccination card, you can get free donut. At Krispy Kreme? Yeah. Oh. Huh. Yeah, that, uh, they started that promotion a couple months, and I think it goes until the end of the year. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, and... asterisk, check your local uh, franchise uh, because there may be rules and restrictions apply. But uh, if memory serves, you can get a free donut every day until the end of the year if you bring in your vaccination card. I might not recommend that health-wise because you might have other problems other than yeah, COVID-19. I don't think I would necessarily every day, but do that either. But anyway. <laughs> a good incentive. Yes. Yeah. But I know I, I first sought out stuff like uh, octopus because I'd seen an anime and was like, oh, that seems neat. I like seafood. I'll try this. Was and, it what uh, you expected? I don't necessarily know if I would say it's what I expected, but I like it. Because I tried Dongo when I went to Japan, you know, the ones that come in the, the tricolor ones, the pink, green, mm -hmm. and the white. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that they were like a super sweet dessert thing because that's what it looked like in anime. Yeah, but imagine it, it me trying like it and it was covered in donut. like miso sauce and grilled yeah, it like and it was savory. Syrup on it. it was so good, though. <laughs> it just wasn't what I expected. But I was glad because I don't really like sweets that much anyway. So I was just getting it thinking, well, I got to do it because it was an anime. But then I was like, holy crap, these are good. And I got one everywhere we went. Yeah. Anime also taught me that ramen is not, you know, top ramen instant noodles, but actually really, really good stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The slices and that hard boiled egg. Mm. 
Now this is turning into a food podcast. Yeah, we've done a, a lot food, of our podcasts pod. kind of do that every now yeah. and then. We we've had I forget if it was a one or two parter where it was just, you know, all food. Yeah. We gave into the temptation, finally did it, but we still yeah, end up it, talking it, about Well, food. at least we're talking about it now under a bit of a different lens. So yes. kind of counts, mostly counts. Yes. Franji, do you have any other ones that uh, particularly impacted you, whether they be characters or now? I think we're sort of just saying, you know, how have you been impacted by anime, I suppose? Uh, the only other one I can think of is Panty from Panty and Stocking. Uh, when I, I got into the series because a friend wanted me to cosplay Panty to her stocking, which never actually ended up happening. Um, years later, I cosplayed it with my wife instead. Uh, so I got into the series and I was like, wow, this girl is a lot. Um, but when I cosplay characters, I like to try to embody them if I can. And she, because she was a lot, she definitely got me out of my comfort zone and probably taught me some bad things that now I can't do in public regularly. But, um, Let's just say unlocked unlocked a side of me that I didn't know I, I had that's very inappropriate, um, but I don't regret it, so. <laughs> hey, learning about yourself is a good thing. <laughs> yep. Yep. We've discovered through this exercise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I'm thinking about conventions again. Dang it. Yeah. Oh, well. Ah. One where I am... In August, I think the end of August, I was surprised they were having it. But then again, it's A, absolutely tiny because of the location we're in. And B, they are still making you mask and distance and they're not letting you into the big events, huh, big quote unquote for this con, but they're not letting you into the main events, I should say, like the masquerade and stuff, unless you show your vaccination card, which Woo. is pretty cool. It's pretty good. So I might, I might go. I might go for at least a day. And if it looks absolutely scary, like everything else public I've gone to do. I probably won't go the rest of the time, but it's like, it's been so long. And this convention yeah. has a gaming room where they set up like big DDR machines Ooh. and U-Beat and Tyco, and I'm like, I want to go. Yeah, but... I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that um, Anime NYC will be able to happen in November and that Anime Frontier will be able to happen in December. That, you know, knock on wood, uh, I don't think I would do anything prior to August, but I am... I am more hopeful than I have been in some 18 months that <laughs> November and December are going to be viable, at least yeah. in the U.S. Uh, obviously, things internationally are going to be based on the uh, local distribution of vaccinations. But, uh, you know, we're seeing some pretty promising stats here and we're not out of the woods yet. So keep your masks up, people, uh, even though CDC has said that, uh, you know, vaccinated groups don't need to wear masks together anymore uh still yeah, exercise caution and help your friends find vaccine appointments if they haven't already yeah yeah this has been a public service announcement by d kai <laughs> <laughs> tell your friends about the krispy kreme promotion yes if nothing absolutely. else is working yeah, you know what? That's what I'm going to do, because there's a few people... Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to rant. Do not rant. Do not rant. Franji, you're live. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. But yeah. yeah but bribe them with donuts. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'll try that. That's good advice for everything. Bribe them with donuts. Bribe with donuts, yeah. I, I do agree. That is going to be, more often than not, at least an avenue worth exploring. 
Didn't it not work for Vash the Stampede in that wonderful AMV from a million years ago, Tainted Donuts, where they crossed it over with Cowboy Bebop and Spike oh. was bounty hunting to try to catch the $60 billion double dollar Vash the Stampede? I've used never donuts seen this AMV, it. but I can very clearly envision because I, oh. I know the different pieces from Trigun and Bebop, so I can see how it's this would work together. so good. It's so old now, but the editing still works, so it's called Tainted Donuts. I hope it's still on YouTube. Go look it up. It's great. You will not regret it. Have we ever, I forget, have we done an AMV episode or not? No, I don't think so. <laughs> oh gosh, have we really not? We might have to do that. I'm, one second, I'm checking the list. No, AMVs, so I have this document that I update, you know, maybe once a month with our show ideas and just the record of what shows we've done. AMVs have been on the show concept list basically since the show's inception. We've really? just never gotten around to it. So maybe that's something we need to start investigating because I have one AMV that I'm going to have to just send you today, Franji. Mm -hmm. um, it is Code Geass, One Day More from Les Mis. Oh, my God. And it's, <laughs> okay. on, it's, it's from early 2010s, but it is honestly, to this day, still one of my favorite AMVs. But before we end up spiraling into a whole new episode... Uh, we're just about a time anyway, so I suppose, uh, Thames and Franji, do either of you have any final thoughts on anime characters that have impacted you? Uh, uh, go forth, explore characters that resonate with you, um, learn things from their voices inside your head, but don't let them get too far into your head. Um, you're still the boss. <laughs> That's all. Very good advice. I like that. I would say, um, gosh, that, that, that was so good, Franji. I don't know if I can yeah, follow that, was, that up. That was really good. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, you enjoyed this because this was your idea. Uh, this was, this was really fun and I enjoyed about hearing about characters and anime facets that were important to you guys as well. I'm glad you got to talk about Beyblade on yes. the podcast. I think you I have the <laughs> honor of being the first person to bring that show up on Dekai. And there aren't too many series that we haven't at least mentioned once. So there you go. This is, I, I will, if I could put this on my CV, I would. Um, but <laughs> I, will, I will just carry it in my heart as a, as a very important moment. I'll file that I, one away. I want to learn more about Beyblades because... Goodness knows, early 2000s shonens were crazy and wonderful and helped, you know, set the foundation, honestly, for anime in the U.S. and for just the industry going forward. And like you said, that's one that went a bit underappreciated just because of the competition it had in that same genre. But from the way you've described it, I'm not going to go back and watch this 100 plus episode series because I saw that it was at least 100 when I checked on Wikipedia. But um, I'd love to hear you talk more about it, and uh, uh, I'm sure we'll find some excuse to bring that up again. And uh, I'm so glad you're able to join us again this week. This was a lot of fun. Well, thank you for having me. Any excuse I can get to talk more about Beyblade, sign me up. Oh, be careful, Jill. Duly noted. She'll do it. <laughs> I'll, Is we'll do it. Threat? <laughs> and I'll make good on it. <laughs> good good yes awesome well uh thank you all for listening in um 
We are going to be having a short break, but uh, then we will be back in about 25 minutes with our uh, happy hour. We're going to be doing, as always, murder time, murder time, fun, 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 among us, hide and seek. Uh, Temzin, once again, you are more than welcome to stick around for that if you so please. If not, uh, Digital Era Entertainment has wonderful nerdy content six, sometimes seven days a week. Uh, Saturday is our normal off day, but next Saturday... We're going to be doing, as I mentioned earlier, our Who Framed Roger Rabbit radio drama. It's going to be the one-year anniversary of the cast of the first time that we performed uh, Thames. And I'm not sure if you've actually seen any of these, but basically, a year ago, I had this crazy idea to do a table read for the Pokemon Live stage musical from 2000. I'm not sure if you were aware of Pokemon Live, the stage musical, but it is exactly what you would expect a Pokemon stage musical in the year 2000 to be in all of its campy glory. And then that spiraled into doing at least one radio drama a month, and here we are 12 months later. <laughs> I have not heard about the, the Pokemon uh, play, but it sounds amazing. And I just recently been talking to somebody who named Roger Rabbit. Oh, really? Uh, you broke up a bit there. <laughs> Ah, I've I've just recently been talking to somebody about who framed Roger Rabbit, so I'm oh, looking forward. Ah. I'm looking forward to the uh, the screenplay. Yes, the, yeah, the, the life play adaptation. The, uh, I just finished the script last night. I need to do a couple things to get some word counts, and uh, the cast is going to be finalized in the next couple days. But the event is already on Facebook. If you want to find that, just. Uh, Follow Digital Era Entertainment on Facebook or on Twitter. You'll see announcements about that and all of our other streams. So I think that's all we have for today. So thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, stay safe. Stay informed. Get your Fauci ouchie. And we will see you next time on Digital Era Twitch. Mm -hmm.